All right, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1 through 11, modern English version, which is basically the King James without the ain'ts, can'ts, and shanks. It's just the easy way to read it. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1, now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, however you were, uh, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the gift of God says, Jesus, be cursed. And no one can say Jesus is the Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are various gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. There are various operations, but it is the same God who operates all of them. What's it say? Oh, and and them special evangelists? Is that what it says? What's it say? Oh, not just pastor. What's it say? Oh, hey, take this lid off. I'm not moving in the gifts yet. In all people, in all people, hey, are you all people? Are you all people? Are you all people? Do you fall into all people category? Okay, so Paul is basically saying, I don't want you to be ignorant or unlearned about spiritual gifts, brethren, or brothers and sisters. Um, and there's very op- various operations, but it's the same God who operates all of them in all people. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every... What? what? Do you think Paul is trying to say something? He's saying, get people that work in the gifts off a pedestal because God meant for all of you to do it. So by the manifestation of the Spirit is given to everyone for the common good. To one is given by the Spirit, the word of wisdom. To another, the word of knowledge by the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. And to another, the interpretation of tongues. But that what in the very same spirit works all these, dividing to each one individually as he will. So it took me three minutes to read that. My Lord Jesus. We're going to talk about many gifts, one spirit. Would you help me pray? And not just pray just for me. I I appreciate it. But would you pray for yourself that God would open your understanding, open your mind, your heart, give you a hunger for spiritual things. And would you help me and and pray with me that I can say a bunch in a little bit of time. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. God, there's none like you in all the earth. God, we thank you because not only are beautiful people in this place, but your beautiful presence is here as well. God, your spirit is among your people. God, you've baptized us with your spirit. Everything that we need to operate is already inside of us. God, I pray. God, let me pull back the shroud of mystery. God, let me somehow, some way through the next couple weeks show your people that this isn't weird and this isn't just for the elite, but this should be normal. We're designed for this. You intended us to do these things. God, time is running out. We can't just mark time anymore waiting for someone else to do what you are calling us to step up and experience and begin to move in the very thing that you've already given us. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. So today we start our new sermon series entitled Many Gifts, One Spirit. And just as an opener for all those that think the gifts of the Spirit are unnecessary or they've been done away with, I have just one question for you. Why would a supernatural God build a supernatural church and give us a supernatural mandate to reach the world and then expect us to do it naturally in our own abilities. That seems crazy, seems ludicrous. If, if we have a supernatural God, his idea was a church, that's supernatural. He gives us a mandate to go in all the world and preach the gospel. He gives us a mandate. Why would he want us to do it in our own ability and not with his spirit? So 1 Corinthians 12, 1, now concerning spiritual gifts or concerning operation of gifts of the Spirit, I would not have you to be ignorant. See, Paul is writing to the church. And notice the first thing, God wants you to move in the supernatural. He wants you. It it was back to back to all people and to everyone. Now, I am not an English major. Just listen to me talking. You will know. Um, And I write worse than I talk. But I know that everyone and all people includes 
pretty much everyone and all people. So you're designed to be a spiritual being. You are a spirit living inside a body. With your body, you can communicate with the external world. With your spirit, you can communicate with the realm of God and the realm of the spirit. So you're designed to flow and access the supernatural realm of God. You don't have to become a spiritual person. You are already spiritual. See, the church messes everything all up. It's like, oh, I just need to be more spiritual. Really? You're already spirit. You already have a spirit dimension to you. Your natural body has five senses. You can see, hear, taste, touch, smell. But your spirit, man, also has spiritual senses. With your physical sense, you can interact with the physical world. You receive signals, and, and from that you can identify certain things. It's the same in your spirit, but many people haven't developed their spiritual capacity. See, you are a spirit being, and God wants you to operate supernaturally. That's his plan. So Paul writes, I don't want you to be ignorant of the supernatural realm or how to work in the Holy Spirit. The word ignorant means having no practical experience or understanding of this. See, we don't like when people call us ignorant. You're ignorant. I'm not ignorant. <laughs> No, what he's saying is, is I don't want you to have no practical experience or understanding of this. So the reason things are hard is because we just don't know. When I ask people, hey, how many people like to pray someone through to the baptism of the Holy Ghost? Everybody's looking at me like, hmm. It's like, call, you're not Zeus. You're not calling down lightning on anybody. But we're scared to death to move into the supernatural. We are scared to death because somebody's convinced us that only a few can do it. And it's really, really hard. It's a lie from hell. So over this series, I want to take away the mystery of how hard it is and make it so it's actually really simple. Now, when I say that, I'm not saying God is simple. What I'm saying is, is that everything that God does is incredibly simple. It just requires an open heart to receive. So you've already done this. So you already stepped out on faith. You believe somehow that, you know what, maybe that preacher was talking to me one day that said that, that God loves me. He wants to forgive my sins. And you know what, if, if I just repent and begin to move towards him, then move towards me. You believe that. You didn't see anything. Nobody came down and put you in a headlock and drug you to the altar. But you sent something. When you went down in, 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 in baptism in Jesus' name, it came back up. The Bible says that your sins were washed away. There's nothing in the baptismal tank but some hairspray and cologne. But the Bible says your sins were there as well. They were buried in baptism. You couldn't see it, but you knew you felt different. And just watch someone receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They're going to hug everybody. And you got crying folks. And, and it's why? It's because it's powerful. You didn't see anything, but you so you're already spirit enough. You already have enough faith. If you have enough faith to believe a God you can't see will forgive things that you've done, you have enough faith for him to use you in the supernatural. See, everything he does is, is simple. You don't have to be highly educated to move in the supernatural. Thank you, Jesus. You don't have to be highly educated to flow with the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit. He'll use anyone that will just open their life up and say, God, here I am. I'm available. Work through me. See, God wants us to be empowered and equipped to bring his power to the people. See, the church has long lost the flow of power, but now in these last days, God is restoring power back to the church. We replace the, you know, the, the gifts of the spirit and, and the manifestation of God with programs and, and, and all kind of stuff. Now, I, I am not preaching against lights. I like lights. When we had the smoke machine, I like smoke. God was the first one to use smoke. Read your Bible. I'm just acting like God. I like all of this, but any of this, none of this actually could, could even compare to when God starts moving. We can't replace stuff we can buy on Amazon with things we can only get from the Spirit. So we, we, we need to see it. We're seeing it now. I told the church before is that God is moving through our children right now. I think God is just saying, I don't need you to do what I want to do. I'll use your kids. But it's powerful what he's doing. See, we see that part of the Great Commission is that you'll be anointed with the power of the Holy Spirit. You'll be able to lay hands on the sick. You'll be able to minister to people. You'll be able to flow in the Holy Spirit. And that makes sense because the world isn't going to come into a church building. The church has to go in the world and bring God to them. So let's talk just a little bit about spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians 12, 7. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to everyone for the common good. The word manifestation means something that's visible, tangible, that people can see. 
Paul is basically saying, God wants to operate through you in a way that's tangible, that people can experience him. Now, I had to say this. Now, this is why I had such a hard time. This is just an introductory message. We're going to talk about the gifts individually in other messages. We're not going to do nine messages. We're going to, we're going to do five more messages, but we're going to talk about the gifts individually. But the gifts of the Spirit are manifestations of the Holy Spirit. So it's not like you have some kind of gift. It's not like you open your closet and you got a shoebox with a gift. You have the Holy Spirit, and you work with him to bring forth what he wants to do. It's about relationship with the Holy Spirit. It's about relationship. Now, when I say that, people get all weird out. Like, well, is that Trinitarian? What I'm saying, do you see the baptism of the Holy Spirit? The, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God. You need to have a relationship with that. It's not like you get gifts. Why? Because people are like, you know what? I'm going to pray and fast for the gifts. You can pray and fast so your belly button touches your spleen. When you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you have access to the gifts. You have access to it. There was one, there was one preacher um, powerfully used, uh, maybe those that were in Pentecost would know that, that John Arcovio, powerful, used uh, uh, in a lot of crusades with Billy Cole, and, and he was he decided to pray and fast seven days for each gift. After about the third gift, 21 days, just water, God said, quit praying for my gifts and pray for compassion in my love. He says, you already got all the gifts. It was powerful. It was powerful. But somewhere along the way, we said, you know what? If you want to be used in the gifts of the Spirit, you got to be super spiritual. The only way to do that is to fast and pray. Nothing wrong with prayer and fasting. I know a lot of people that can pray and fast and have zippo. There's nothing, nothing going on in their life. Why? Because they're trying and they're, and they're begging God to give them something they already had. So, it's all about relationship. It says, the manifestation of the Spirit is given to everyone. So I said this before, but who is left out of the word everyone? No one is left out. It's for you. It includes you. Everyone includes you. Little old me, yes. Nine-year-old me, yes. Eleven-year-old me, yes. Can, can Trip work at the gifts of the Spirit? Yes, and he should. Well, he's not old enough. See, that's church stuff. Well, can he be baptized? Nope, he's not old enough. Really? I didn't see any age limit in the Bible. Oh, can he be used by God? Oh, he's not old enough. You've got to be at least uh, um, 33. Well, he is not a Jewish rabbi. We're not waiting until he's 30, okay? Um, this is, this is, we don't have time to put, you know, um, like Tinder on, you know, hey, you, you, um, you don't have enough rank. You don't have enough. This is not the union, okay? This is not like you gotta wait for, this is, not, this is not the Thanksgiving table where you wait for someone to die, for someone to step up. No, no, no. God will use anybody who's actually available. Why did God use these two girls last, last week? It, it, because I, I saw the Spirit all of them. I said, you lay your hands on her. You pray. I didn't come anywhere near you, sis. Nowhere near you. And did it. Why? He's trying to show us right before our series that he will use anybody that wants to be used. He'll use anybody that says, God, here I am. If you can use anybody, use me. He's already showing us. So 1 Corinthians 12, 11, but that one and very same spirit works all these, dividing to each one individually as he wills. God is very clear in the word. He wants every person to be able to flow in the spirit. He gives the gifts of the Spirit to everyone. So if you haven't functioned in them or flowed in them or received them yet, it's most because you don't know how to. We are scared to death to try something we don't know how to do. So just imagine how powerful our youth group is. Rick and I were talking about, could you imagine when these kids are like 13, 14, and 15? Man, they are not going to need us. Like, hey, sit down, old man, watch this. They're going to be powerful. They're praying in the microphone now. They're this high. They're not going to be scared to speak in front of a crowd. They're, they're praying in the altar. They're worshiping before service. They're running and dancing and shouting. They're praying, lifting their hands, talking in tongues in altar service. What else do they need? God is raising up these children to be powerful. So now here's the thing. If, if we show you how to and extend your faith, God will work through you. It says he gives, to, to the, or gives them to everyone. It's a gift. The gifts of the Spirit are something God gives you. You don't have to earn it. We don't like that, especially Pentecostal folks. <clears throat> no, 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 no. You've only been in church for a week. you got to earn it. Well, maybe you give your gifts like that, but we don't have any Bible for it. 
You have to stay in church for a long time for this to happen. As soon as the Holy Spirit empowers you or comes on you and you are baptized with the Holy Spirit, uh, you are able to operate in the gifts of the Spirit. If you learn how to recognize and work with the Holy Spirit, it's very simple. It's never hard. We just have to grow in this dimension of our life. You know, it's amazing to me that we could be like, say, say this was, it is two stories, but it's kind of like a law thing. Let's just say we had all the kids way up there in the office. You can put 12 children, 15 kids in there, all crying. Yeah, yeah. And there'll be a mom down here going, yeah, that's my kid. What do you mean? All I hear is noise. They're all crying at the same time. Jesus. And, but mom's like, yes, that's my child. How? How? Why? Because her ear was tuned in the midst of the noise to pick up the sound of someone she recognized. There's a lot of noise we have going on in our head and our lives. We need to learn how to calm down, quiet down, and just recognize when God is talking to you. you moms, did you go to a special class to hear your kid cry? If there's four kids crying and there's 12 moms, every mom can pick out their child. Nobody taught you that. Why? Because you spend time with that child, you know everything, and you are sensitive to their voice. When you spend time with God, it, it, it doesn't matter what's going on in the service, you will actually hear him. Pastor, I don't believe that. That's fine. That's why we're doing this series. It's fine. But you can't doubt, you cannot doubt the power. Now, some dads can do it too. Dads, you can do it too. I'm not saying this is just the power of the mom. But moms can do it. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to everyone for the common good. Notice here, it's not an indication of your maturity. If you don't know what I'm doing right now, it's called throwing elbows. <laughs> the manifestation, which is the tangible evidence, visible evidence of the work of God, is given to everyone for the common good. It's not an indication that you're mature. God will give the gifts of the Spirit to any person it does not make them spiritual. It means they're just listening and responding to God. That's all it means. Listen, it's not going to mess up your theology. So a person can flow in the gifts of the Spirit, but have perhaps other areas in their life where they're very immature. It does not make you a very spiritual person to be able to flow in the gifts of the Spirit or the power of God. It just means you've learned to operate by faith in that dimension. In the rest of your life, you may have problems and, 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 and different issues in other areas. We don't believe that. We, are, we believe we're going to be perfect. We believe we climb this little ladder. We talked about this ladder before. We climb it. Oh, I, I started going to church, and I read my Bible, and now, oh, I'm a believer, and now I got baptized. Holy Spirit, God, and I made a mistake. God can never use me again. God was ready to use you when you started on the ladder. But we think you got to be perfect, and that's why a lot of folks in church will relegate themselves to the sidelines because they're not perfect. Newsflash, nor am I. Do you have areas in your life you're messed up, Pastor? Mm-hmm. A bunch of them. Are you an open sin, Pastor? No. No. I'm not alcoholic. Don't do drugs. I'm not cheating on my wife. Don't beat my wife. Don't, don't beat my kids. But I'm human, which means I have problems, which I have proclivities, which I have, which is really just called a messed up mind. <laughs> but God is still, why? Because I have the microphone? No, it's because God will use anybody that has his spirit that wants to be used. But if you're requiring someone perfect to lay hands on you, you're in the wrong building. Um, anybody perfect? Raise your hands, please, 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 please. Okay, thank you. Just making sure. We tend to put people that can move on the gifts and on, on the spiritual pedestal. Here he comes. There she is. They work in the gifts. Don't look them in the eye. They know your social security number. Now, we look at them as though there's something special and unusual. Because we got this idea that God will use only special people. We also had the wrong idea that you have to get your life together and you have to get your act together before God can use you. I challenge you to find anywhere in the Bible that it says that. That's just a religious concept. If you think I got to get my life together before God can use me, then you'll spend your life, your entire life, focused on trying to make your life better rather than focusing on walking with God, enjoying him, and letting him work through you. We see that all the time. Thank you for the amens, by the way. Thank you. We see it all the time. Is that, do you want to be baptized? No, I'm not perfect. Good. Get in the water. 
Do you want to receive the Holy Spirit? I'm not perfect. Good, come on up. We think we got to be perfect for everything. I don't know where we get this idea. Uh, do you want to be involved in church? No, I'm not perfect. That's fine. Do something. There's nobody perfect here. God didn't say he'll pour out his spirit on perfect people. He didn't say the gifts of the spirit are given to only those that are perfect. He said to everyone. So we believe God, we're all going to go to heaven. Why? Because he said it. We said we're all going to be working on gifts too. I don't believe that. I'm just messing with you. I'm not thirsty. I just like to watch your face. See, God wants to work through everyone. And the gifts are given to profit others. When God gives you a gift, it's not for you, it's for someone else. You're just a delivery person. It's like I'm connected to God and so I can receive something from him and then pass it on to somebody else. That's what the gifts of the Spirit are. They're, we're just the channel through which it flows. We're the gate through which God interacts with the person. You are described in the Bible as a temple, right? Or a house in which God dwells. And you're a gate for the supernatural to come to earth. See, we, we got that... We have to understand that. The gifts are not to say, look, I got the gift. Ooh, look at me, look at me, look at me. It's not about that. The gifts are never about me. They're never about you. They're always about somebody else. Is that God is looking for someone who can be open, looking for somebody who can actually be, who wants to be used to give them something, whether it's a word or, or an image or a revelation or, or just an impression, so you can give that to somebody else to profit it's not about money, it's about the profit others. So let's take a look at the different categories of gifts. Now, if I was a kid, I would listen to this. I'm doing your homework for you. Here's different categories of gifts. Verse 7 says, but the manifestation of the gifts, or the gift is given to everyone for the common good. To one is given by, this, uh, by the Spirit, the word of wisdom. To another, the word of knowledge by the same spirit, to another faith, by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing, by the same spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. <sighs> but that one and very same spirit works all these, dividing to each one individually as he will. How are we going to remember all that, Kiki? Here it is. Y'all ready? Are you going to listen? Or are you going to watch it back on Facebook and take notes? Okay, because y'all ain't writing nothing. There's nine distinct operations of the Spirit. There are three categories and three gifts in each, in each one. This is the easiest way to remember it. Okay, so here we go. The knowing gifts. It means God reveals something to you that you didn't know. Like if I talk to someone and, and they tell me, then I learned it from them. If I read it in a book, then I, and I studied it, and I learned it. But if someone just tells me a secret, it reveals something to me. So in three of the gifts of the Spirit, God just reveals something, which you couldn't have worked out on your own. You just couldn't have known it. Um, I'm going to say it this way. I'm going to give you the gifts in a minute. But do you remember the woman at the well? When Jesus spoke to her and, and Jesus asked, he asked her a little bit, interacted with her, and said, well, why, why don't you bring your husband? And she said, I haven't got a husband. And he said to her, that's true. You have five husbands, and now you're living with another man. And she went away and said this. Go read your Bible. She said this. I met someone who told me everything about my whole life. Now, why did she say everything? He didn't tell her everything. He said one thing. See, the impact of the supernatural and this revelation will cause, you know, will cause a person to experience that sensation. Like for her, the woman at the well, all of a sudden, boom, it was open that, that she understands that God could see everything and God knew everything. Why are you telling me this? Because I have to get this out. So when you bring a word of knowledge or, or, or move prophetically, it may not seem like much to you. It may seem very little, small, and insignificant because it's not for you. But when it goes to the person, oh, the person is so deeply impacted. How, how could you know that? It was like suddenly their whole world just opened, and, and, but for you it's a little tentative step. So for them it's like it's a big deal because now you've opened up something in their life. It's so powerful to flow in the gifts of the Spirit. But, but that's why we want the wow, the boom. Jesus said, yep, you're right. You, got five, you had five husbands and you're shacking up with another one. And she went and go, oh, my Lord, he told me everything. No, everything? But what it does is, man, is how could he know that? All of a sudden, it's bam. 
you'll be surprised how small of a word can change somebody's life. So the knowing gifts, y'all ready? Knowing gifts, the word of knowledge. So the word of knowledge, it's a little bit of knowledge about a person, some fact about their past or present. And the word of wisdom is supernatural insight about what to do or how a person needs to act or what they should do at this time. Then there's the discerning of spirits, the ability to see right into the root of what is uh, behind things that are happening. It enables us to see the motivations of people, enables us to see what the Holy Spirit is doing. It even will help you to, to um, discern demonic spirits. Now, the discerning of spirits is not the gift of, of suspicion. It's not, hey, something ain't right with you. That's not what it's for. So you have the knowing gifts. Stuff you know, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, asserting a spirit, stuff you know. Then you have the speaking gifts, the word of prophecy. It's a direct word from God resulting in edification, exhortation, and comfort. When someone is prophesying, they are speaking under the in immediate inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Now, when I used to travel more, people would try to introduce me like I have a prophetic ministry. I do not have a prophetic ministry. But if God gives me a prophecy, I will say something. And I have a prophetic ministry. I am not a prophet. But if usually what it is, is if you feel like you have something for somebody, if I feel like I have a word for Matt, if God drops something in my spirit, I will not hear, I will not say, Matt, stand up, thus saith the Lord. I don't got to do all that. I'll go to Matt and say, hey, you know what, man? As, as I was just praying, I was just feeling something. Um, and, and maybe my, not me much to you, brother, but, it, and I'll say it. And a lot of times just that, you'll see their face change. And all of a sudden, they'll start crying. Why do you do that? One, it will not scare the mess out of somebody. Stand up, thus saith the word of the Lord. Well, that, that's cool in camp meetings if you really want to show off. It's fine. But a lot of times, if I'm not 100% sure, but I feel it, and I try to walk away from it, I feel it again, I'll go back to Matt and say, hey, man, you know, I was just praying. And as I was praying, bro, I was just feeling, uh, let's just say I was just, I was just feeling loneliness, but I, I don't know if that means anything to you, brother. Um, but, but, you know, and, and when I say that word loneliness, it hits them like, like bricks. And then I, I begin to minister to them. Or, or you know, I was, when I was in Chile, uh, I was praying for a guy, and I didn't know who he was, and I just began to pray for him. And I was just praying, Lord, bless him, you know, and um, see, a lot of times it's easier to move into gifts through form of prayer than to grab a microphone and try to do it in front of God and everybody. It is safer for you. It is less scary for the person and gives room for error. And so I was praying for this guy in Chile, and I was, and I was talking to him. And I was like, God, thank you, bless him. And I just began to say, and I know you weren't supposed to be here. And everything in your life said you weren't going to be here. But it wasn't until last night that you decided or that things turned around and you made it to this conference. And let me tell you, and I began to prophesy to him that God's going to do this and this and this and this in this conference. This guy just, boom, just broke down. And he came to me at the service. How did you know, bro? I said, I did it. I was just praying. God just dropped something in there. If I was wrong, good. If I'm right, great. So what I'm saying is you do not have to just be showy with it. Just be obedient with it. Now, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but that's how it works for me. Now, I am going to give you the honest Jesus truth. I've been using seven, nine gifts, two gifts I have not been used in diverse uh, tongues, which is diverse kind of tongues and interpretation of tongues. So here it is. Diverse tongues is giving a message in another tongue that many times precedes an interpretation, not a translation of that tongue. So please don't confuse speaking in tongues when you first receive the gift of the Holy Spirit with the gift of diverse kinds of tongues. They're two different kinds of things. Interpretation of tongues. An interpretation is not a translation, but rather it gives the general theme of what God has said. It's general, not literal. Now listen, it's, it depends. This is funny because God will use each personality as well as vocabulary level each person is able to operate in. You can go down south like way, way down. And God will use an accent. You can go up north, and God will use a New York accent. Why? God is not going to make you stand up and speak perfect Elizabethan English. Thus saith the Lord. No, he's not going to do that. He is going to use your personality and your vocabulary. The hardest thing about the, the, the interpretation of tongues is knowing when God stops. 
I'll leave it there. We, we'll talk about that later. We'll later. We're just that's an overview. Just an overview. All right, the power gifts. I have to be honest. I love the power gifts. They're fun. The gift of faith, power gifts, okay? So three categories. We got the knowing gifts, right? Knowing gifts, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, certain spirits. Then what else we got? We got the speaking gifts, prophecy, tongues, interpretation of tongues. Look at you guys again. Did you go to this? You're going to crush it, Kiki. They're all going to get an A. Just bring prizes tomorrow. Okay, so get the faith. God's faith operating and flowing through the person. The gifts of healing. These are gradual. Now, notice these are plural. Gifts of healings. They're gradual, progressive restorations from God in both the physical and spiritual body. Then there's the working of miracles. It's instantaneous. You had a leg or you didn't have a leg. Now you got one. You know, you had arthritis. Now you don't have one. You had cancer. Now it's gone. Instantaneous. It's the instant working of God, which supersedes human ability to instantly meet needs, heal, work miracles or accomplish what cannot be done through natural means. So three categories. Of the nine gifts, each category has three. We have the speaking, we have the knowing gifts. Word of knowledge, word of wisdom. Serving of spirits, that's right. We have the speaking gifts. Prophecy. Tongues, interpretation of tongues, power gifts. My favorite, gift of the gifts, the gifts of lings with an S and the working of. There you go. All right. Now what's cool is, Believers can operate in all of the gifts. Personally, I, it's been a long time since I've been in a church service where there's tongues interpretation. Long time. Usually happens big conferences, usually, or larger places, usually. If it happens in a local church, it's usually the same two or three or four people. Um, now, you can go through and you can read. You can read the book Corinthians. You can read all that. There is... There's order in the church, the, 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 the church of Corinth. They, became, they, were, they came behind in no gifts. Paul was saying, look, you got all of them going, but you guys are a hot mess. You guys, you guys got people speaking in tongues more than you're speaking your own language. How is that going to profit a visitor and all kind of things? And, and, and when someone gives a message in tongues, let there be an interpretation no more than two. You guys just want to just, y'all, all you guys are losing your mind. You're, and so um, we have to understand that there is some order to all this. And I believe that there's most pastors don't want their people moving into gifts. Why? Because it's going to get messy. You're going to miss it. I'm going to miss it. So we're going to teach you to not be crazy with it. Like you don't jump up on your boss's desk Tuesday morning. I have a word from the Lord for you, sir. Yes. Is it pink slip? <clears throat> so Let's just, let's, we need to flow in the spirit, but we need to use our brain. God does not bypass our brain. He's expecting us to use a little bit of sense, common sense with what he gives us. See, believers can operate in all of the gifts. Every one of you is able, able to operate in the gifts. Let me see my, I'm at 33 minutes. Lord Jesus, we're not going to make it. Whew. We're not even halfway. All right. So every one of you, every one of you is able to, be, to operate in the gifts. Mark 16, 17 through 18, notice what Jesus said, and this is associated with the Great Commission. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They'll speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it will not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Jesus giving the Great Commission, and he's sending us into a harvest field. And he was sending them into cultures that were supernatural. North America has really hidden the supernatural go to asia go to africa south africa where there's actually witch doctors still in the entire city or village is scared to death they are moving in the spirit now it is not god's spirit so god is actually sending people out into countries regions that are already familiar with the spirit and giving them something more powerful than what they're going to face Jesus was sending them. He wanted them empowered spiritually to be able to do this. So notice what he said. These signs shall follow those who believe. It doesn't say these signs will follow pastors. It doesn't say these signs will follow special people. It doesn't say these signs will follow just greatly anointed people. It just says simply these signs will follow those who believe. For these signs to follow, God wants you to, do, to, wants you to be a believer. You need to believe for God to work through you. We believe God will work supernaturally. We believe it. 
We'll believe he'll do it in another country. We believe he'll do it through a famous preacher. But what we struggle to believe is that he will do it through me. But that's what he said. That's what he said. Oh, you want to see expectation? Let, let, let us plan for evangelists to come. Oh, he's good. Oh, yeah. Expectation through the roof. Go ahead and do your stuff. What stuff? You mean the same stuff that you can do? Oh, but you're not tapping into it, so you need to bring me in from across the country so I can do what God has already equipped you to do. Because mm, it's more fun to watch than participate. It's more fun to receive than stick your neck out. Uh, this is called meddling. The signs follow believing. So if you grow the believing for it to happen part and start to stretch out, you'll be quite surprised. Why do you think I asked somebody, hey, um, if it's not personal, can I know your need? Uh, well, I, um, I have knee pain. Okay, do you have it right now? Yes, I do. Which knee is it? It's the left knee. Okay, let me ask you a question. Do you believe God can heal you? Yeah. Do you believe he can heal you right now? Yeah. Well, good. So do I. Expectation. If I say, do you believe God can heal you? Yeah. But in his mind, it's like 20 years from now. That's not going to help. Why? Because the human spirit is the only spirit that can resist the spirit of God. Jesus went places where he couldn't do many miracles because of unbelief. So I need to deal with your spirit first. It's not like the Holy Spirit. The spirit of God is powerless. It's we have a spirit inside of us that can override the will of God. It's his will that all come to repentance and no one perish. But we all know that not everyone's going to come to repentance. Why? Because the human spirit can resist the spirit of God. So that's why. So several, several things are listed here. I want to pull them out because people get scared about this. It's that, oh, the, you got to pick up serpents and drink deadly things. Look, casting out of demons, which is discerning of spirits, also working of miracles, ah, and some faith is involved in that as well. Uh, the speaking in new tongues, maybe interpretation. What about taking up serpents? We do not play with snakes. Look at the rattlesnake. Eh, no, it has to do with wrestling with the demonic, the gifts of revelation and prophecy. Drinking any deadly thing, again, supernatural miracles. The laying hands on the sick, the gifts of faith and the gifts of healing. What he's basically saying is, I'm going to send you out into a world that's used to the spirit and the supernatural, but I'm going to give you the gifts so you can actually override all of that. That's what he's talking about. Paul made some instructions in 1 Corinthians 12. He said it's given to everyone. The manifestation of the spirit is given to everyone. His desire was that every believer could flow in the gifts of the spirit, and that's my desire too. Listen, I said it before, if I'm the only anointed one in this building, we are in big, big trouble. We are in big trouble. So we need to move from spectator church to start to actually move into New Testament church. Now, we know now, we see that you're designed to be supernatural. God wants you to operate in the supernatural. He is willing to do this for you. So what is your part? What is the bit that you have to play? Are y'all bored? Does it seem like it's been up here a long time? Okay. Don't say nothing, brother. Just, just lie, lie to me, brother. <laughs> There's some responsibilities we have concerning the gifts of the Spirit, so let me give you what they are. The gifts of the Spirit are given to everyone, so if God decides, or if God gives it to me, what does he expect me to do? What is my part? There's a number of things that we're called to do, so let me identify them for you. I'm referring to the Bible because I don't want you guys to, to, to get your base away from the word of God for how to operate in the spirit. If you have lots of spiritual experiences without having a word of God base, you can go all over the place. You'll find we continually draw you back to the written word of God as, as the judge of your spiritual experience. So here are several things that God requires us. He wants you to learn how to flow with the Holy Spirit. He wants you to learn it. Your responsibility is to be a learner. And learning starts today and goes on for the rest of your life. 1 Corinthians 12, 1, concerning spiritual gifts, I don't want you to be ignorant. God expects you to put the effort in to learn. Nothing comes easy. You've got to put some effort into it. You have to do something, and we'll show you what kinds of things you, you, you can do to make it easier. He wants us to learn how to work with the Holy Spirit to build others. Here's the interesting thing. God wants you to be a builder of people. Many people have the wrong concept of church. They, they, they have this concept where you come to church, you get blessed and ministered to, and always oh, isn't this great, and church is all about meeting their needs. That's only a part of the truth. Well, actually, the whole truth, really, is God wants to meet your needs, bless you, and anoint you so you can become a blessing uh, to other people. See, flowing in the Spirit is about discovering how to fulfill our destiny with God wherever we go. 
That's what it's about. So God expects me to learn, and learning is a lifetime thing. We're expected to passionately desire the gifts of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12, 31, but earnestly covet the greater gifts. Oh, I get to covet? Yes. Yes. Covet. Why? Because when you flow in the gifts of the Spirit, it answers all arguments. All of it. If you have a miracle, no one can argue with the miracle. I don't care what you say. If you have a miracle in your life, no one can argue your miracle. You have deaf ears open, blind eyes open, people get healed and things happen. No one can argue with that. And that's God. And people want a God who does that. I always said it before, is that we have ministry backwards. Jesus went out and, and performed miracles and then preached the word. We preached the word and hopefully God will do some miracles. That was never about it. We would go out and we would, and it would, it would minister to the sick. And because the evidence was so powerful, they were willing to hear anything Jesus said. I promise you go to the mall and start lifting people out of wheelchairs. I wouldn't recommend doing that tonight. Uh, but you go do that and you begin to pray and people come out of wheelchairs. I promise you to say, where do you go to church? You're not going to have to bet. You can say, um, look, hey, you got to come to church. You got to bring six jars of peanut butter. They'll be here with six jars of peanut butter. Why? Because they want to go to a church where God actually is. I'll tell you, what would it be like if people are coming in there and, and right before service, we got the songs playing and the lights are still on, not this like um, hot table lamp lights that I'm under, but like regular lights. And people are just, hey, you know, man, I, just, I hurt my shoulder the other day. Oh, really? Let me pray for you. What would happen people start getting healed before we even start? Before the five-minute countdown started, five people got healed. I promise you. But listen, I told you, I can't be the only one running up and down doing it. But what if we had a whole church that was actually doing it? I'm, I'm aware of the time. I'm at 42 minutes. I am looking for a place to land. Mm. See, there's something about the power of God that just stops everybody in their tracks. God wants you to be passionate for this, to really yearn for it. The Bible instructs us earnestly desire or covet the gifts. Next, we're, we're expected to stir up the gifts of God. 2 Timothy 1.6, it tells us, I remind you to stir up the gifts of God, which is in you through the laying on of hands. The word stir up means to kindle a fire, to get something activated and happening. So we're called to stir up the gifts. This is completely contrary to a passive waiting around, praying for revival, and hoping one day God will do it church. God said, stir up the gifts inside of you. This says you stir yourself up. Let's see, I'm looking to see how much I can do with this today. Oh, man. Put all these notes in here. <laughs> Let me give you two more, and we'll stop for today. And then we'll start. Next Sunday, the rest of the introduction, and then we'll get into prophecy. Is that cool? Can we start with prophecy? That's, that's cool. Everybody likes prophecy. I'm not talking about end-time prophecy, like we've got to read, you know, was he talking about Russia? Was, was the head of this and head of that? I'm not talking about Revelation. You can read that all you want. I'm talking about prophecy, which is something that God drops in your spirit. Okay, so we're expected not to quench the spirit. 1 Thessalonians 5, 19, don't quench the Holy Ghost. Quench means to put out a fire. So we're called to stir up a fire. But we're also called not to quench it or put out a fire that God started. So listen to me. Listen to me. I'm trying to help. I know. I know. I know you're about to stop listening. Control and fear in your life, they go together and they quench God working. The unbelief, the, oh, I don't think God could do this. That will quench God working in your life. See, there's several things that facilitate the spirit of God working and there's some things that quench his working in your life. Reasoning in your mind will quench the flow of the spirit. Negative, critical talk will grieve and quench the Holy Spirit. Listen, as soon as you get worried, I was so proud of these girls when they came up and they were praying. They didn't get scared. They didn't stop. They didn't care. None of them was around. I like it. Here's where it gets crazy. As soon as you turn the spotlight on yourself, your spirit will close. So if we brought someone up that was sick, and I would have prayed for him. And I was going, oh, God, I hope you do it in front of all these people. Because if not, they're going to think, I can't do it. Close. So what do you do? Well, you can't just turn it off. You have to refocus it. So you refocus it back on God. 
You refocus on it. It's not about me. Remember I told you, the gifts are not about you. It's about you getting something from God to give to somebody else. So you begin to focus on God and realizing how much they love, how much God loves that person and how much God wants to bless that person and, and the thing God wants to do. And it takes the pressure off you, opens your spirit back up, and God can actually move. But fear, control, negative talk, the what-ifs will quench the spirit, which are all the things we fight almost every single day in everything we do. So other than that, it's easy. <laughs> but I'm telling you, is you're going to have to practice. I said it. You're going to have to practice. We're going to have to make a safe space where we can try to move into the gifts of the Spirit. We will probably not put this part on Facebook. But there will come a time in this series where we're going to have people come up that need something, and you're going to pray with those people. And you're going to try. Well, what if nothing happens, Pastor? Well, what if something does? What if nothing happens? Okay, here's the thing. If I come in, in, in with cancer and I don't get healed, what's the worst thing that can happen? I leave with cancer. I came with it. Okay? It wasn't like you gave me cancer. Uh, I was praying for a headache and it gave me leukemia. It didn't happen that way. It's not, you're not giving them sickness. The worst that can happen is they leave exactly the way they came in. But they'll appreciate your prayer. But what happens if you were the person that God wanted to use for that person who does have leukemia and that you had the what is, the negative talk, the self-doubt, it's all about me, spotlights on me, your spirit closes, and God wanted to heal but couldn't. Okay, has that ever happened, Pastor? Have you ever felt like you need to pray for somebody and didn't do it? Then yes, it's happened. If I'm, I'm looking here, if Todd's playing on the piano, and I'm like, man, I just feel like praying for Todd, but he's playing the piano, I can't disturb him while he's playing the piano. Or if I feel like praying for somebody in, in the foyer, oh, man, I'll, I'll wait till they leave the foyer. Where are they at now? Oh, the bathroom. I won't fall in the bathroom. Uh, and, and so then, well, well, I'm in the parking lot. Oh, that looks kind of creepy. And so they leave. If you've ever felt they like to pray for somebody in a service and you didn't do it, that was closing your spirit. Are you making me feel bad, Pastor? I don't know, am I? <laughs> We've all done it, myself included. So we are called not to quench him, but to learn how to cooperate with him. And finally, last point for today, finally, finally, you can quote me on it, finally, we're expected not to neglect the gifts of the Spirit. 1 Timothy 4.14, don't neglect the gift that's in you. Don't take it lightly. Don't just waste what God has given you. Don't despise the little beginnings that you start with. Even if you start with a little, it doesn't seem much. It can grow. It can grow until it becomes a great flow through your life. It, everything starts small. Those are some of the first things that we can see concerning the gifts of the Spirit. They're supernatural operations. You're designed to be a spiritual being, to connect with heaven and earth. You're designed to move and flow with the Holy Spirit. God wants us to add understanding to how to do it. He promises he'll give the gifts to every believer and every person. He desires to work through you and I, and it's not about maturity. It's about faith. Listen to me. It's not about maturity. It's about faith. Believing for him to do it so you'll have to extend your faith. So let me end with this. Faith means something like this. I'm convinced in my heart God is willing to do this and I will step out and start to put myself in a place where God can work through me. Faith is not like, yep, I believe him. No, 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 no. Faith is, I'm convinced in my heart that God is willing to do this, and so I'm going to step out and put myself in a place where God can work through me. That's faith. So stay with me. Stay with me. It has been 48 minutes and 59 seconds. I got enough material for a four-day conference. <laughs> we have morning sessions, night sessions, and breakout sessions. Um, but I can't get into the gifts until you're 100% convinced that they're for you. What good would it do for me to talk about prophecy? What good would it be for, do, you know, or do for me to talk about the gifts of healings and, and all this stuff if you don't even believe you can be used in it? Now I'm just giving you head knowledge. You can read about that on the internet. But when we come back next time, the first, so the second half of my first part, does that make sense? The second half of the introduction 
is I want to tell you how to hear the voice of God. And Sister Connor, I can tell you, this is crazy. I can tell you without a shadow of doubt, he's going to talk to you one of three ways. And if you would believe that I'm not lying to you, you will actually start to hear the voice of God for yourself. And what's awesome about it is when I tell you about, oh, Pastor, Pastor. Because you're looking in the wrong place. You're trying to hear something where sound will never come from. You're trying to get direction from external things and it never comes from outside. So I don't know if we'll get past the introduction next Sunday. We might preach this till Jesus comes. But here's the thing. Is that if you're here, and maybe something is sparked in your soul, man, I want this. Don't quench that. If that little spark, that little flame is in you, fan that flame. Let it burn. It is earnestly desire, covet, the Bible says, the best gifts. What about you? But I'm tired of preaching a sermon series just to cover a month. I'm tired of giving information. It's time for demonstration. Rick always says, well, bro, do that here. It's different. It's different here. My job here is not to do it so you can see it. My job here is to teach you how to do it so the world can see it. So if you're here, you don't need that, son. You can put that down. I'll let you know, boy. Kids, you promised me. You promised me that since like three weeks ago, Every, every service, we're going to be in the altar. Pastor, why do we got to be in the altar every service? It's just something powerful. I said it before. I'm, 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 I'm sure you remember it, but the fire falls at the altar. There is something powerful about getting out of your seat and moving. It adds validity to your belief. I believe it enough that I'm going to walk to the front and raise my hands. It puts a stamp and says, God, I want what I just heard. God, I, I'm not satisfied with this another service. God, I don't want to hear about it. God, I want to do it. There's something powerful when we come to the front. There's something powerful when you come to the front and you expect the power of God to fall. I'm going to teach you next week how to stir up the gift. Are you tired of reading about it? Would you like to know how to do it? Stir up to get this in you. I'm going to teach you how to do that. But if you're scared to death to get out of your seat and even come pray, I'm going to have a hard time. So this is what we're going to do. If you're here and you say, Pastor, I'm waiting for something like this. I want to be used in the gifts of the Spirit. I want you to come right now.